This podcast was brought to you by Speak Spokane, a community-driven podcasting studio space where people from all walks of life can speak and be heard. Follow along with us on Instagram at Speak Spokane and visit speakpodcasting.com to learn more about starting your podcasting journey today. Today's episode is sponsored by Burn Butter. Burn Butter is an all-natural, low-carb, keto-friendly product created to help you consume healthy fats when you need them the most. You can add it to your coffee, you can add it to your food, you can add it to your smoothies. You can even consume it straight out of the pouch. My favorite way to use it is to add my mocha burn butter to my coffee. You give it a nice blend and you're ready to go. It's a new way to add healthy fats in your diet without making any huge adjustments. You can find Burn Butter at burnbutter.com or you can visit them on Instagram at burnbutters. Is your business not doing as well as you hope it could right now? Maybe you're struggling to reach the right people. Need some help with your marketing effort, a fresh set of eyes, or even a quick rebrand? Whatever it is, Maker Made can help. They're a marketing and creative firm working right here in Spokane. Maker Made focuses on lifting brands to their full potential and specializes in brand identity, websites, social media management, and more. Get in touch now and schedule your free 30-minute consultation session by visiting their website, www.makerandmade.com. What is up, Bilek City, and welcome to Speak Spokane. Today on the podcast, Heidi and Ryan Sawyer of IHP Coaching drop by to talk to me about their company. We talk about how they came to start IHP Coaching during COVID-19, what led them to want to become full-time coaches. We also talked a lot about Ryan's new book, Choice Point, and how to break the cycle of self-sabotage and accelerate your growth and realize your true potential. That's the the tagline of the book, but we, we dig into that. And, and to give you a little insight more about Heidi and Ryan, I'm going to just read this little bio about them from their website. Ryan and Heidi are both certified coaches. They have taken inspiration from many great teachers and mentors along the way. They have drawn wisdom through personal experiences and from dozens of experts and resources in the field of personal transformation to create IHP coaching. They understand firsthand that life can present challenges we'd never expected or prepared for. But it's not what happens to us in life, it's how we choose to react and who we are being in each moment that creates our personal experience. We are always just one direction from a totally different experience of life. So so please enjoy the show. This was a great conversation and really showcases their knowledge and why they care so much about sharing the tools that they helped them create a better life and how they want to help share that with the people of our community. Enjoy the show. First, before we get into the guts of what you guys are doing, let's learn about Ridey or Ridey. 
Is that, is that what you guys call each that, other? Is that, righty? Like, our, <laughs> is that like our Brangelina name? <laughs> exactly, righty. <laughs> uh, so we have Ryan and Heidi Sawyer of uh, IHP, Integrated Human Performance Coaching. Do you call it that or is it just IHP? IHP coaching, yeah. It's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, your history, um, and this, this, yeah, about like, don't talk about the coaching side of that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. But let's talk about just you as people. As people, yeah. Well, Heidi's from Spokane, and we met uh, actually on Match.com when I first moved to this area back in 2008. And I, what brought me here was my college coaching career. Mm. I was a collegiate football coach, and we had just landed at Eastern Washington University, so we moved to Cheney. And and, uh, and so, yeah, that, that coaching career is what brought me to this area. And I was, uh, you know, that was the, the only thing I ever wanted to do until – uh, until things changed when you know we got married in 2011 after we won the national championship in mm. 2010 and had a couple of kids uh, shortly after and they were 17 months apart so once those two babies were at home I quickly realized that uh, the 80 100 hour weeks were no longer cool <laughs> right and uh, it, it, even though I was living my childhood dream of what I was doing for a living I wanted to be home I wanted to be a father I wanted to be involved and uh and so that what is what led us to make the decision to walk away. And there's a lot to unpack in that story. We'll see where we go with the conversation, yeah. but just kind of giving some ground rules for that piece. And so we're married in 2011 and two young babies. And, uh, and from 2015, when I walked away, you know, that's what kind of led us down an entrepreneurial path. Mm. And uh, some other things that, that I was personally battling with depression and, and anxiety and, and those types of pieces what is what led us to a piece of like just looking inward to doing the work mm. to growing to pushing ourselves in that way and um and taking on our own individual work to grow as a couple you know yeah. and making sure that we wanted to show up as the best versions of ourselves for for each other for for our family for our kids and for our community nice. so yeah so you came here that you came here to coach at Eastern? I did. Well, yeah, I was coaching at Central Washington in 2007. Okay. And then, so when Bo Baldwin, who was my head coach there, mm. uh, when he got the head job in, at Eastern, you know, he brought us as a staff here nice. to, to Eastern. Yeah. Yeah. So. Awesome. So Ellensburg's a lot. I, I, my wife went to Ellensburg yeah. or Central and uh, I love that town. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a great college town. Yeah. It's really, really cool. I spent, I didn't go to college there, but I, she went there for two years and I got this. I got to have my own little college experience in Ellensburg yeah. for two years. So it was, yeah. it was cool. So, and Heidi, you're from Spokane? Yeah, I'm from Spokane. Went to Ferris High School. Okay. And uh, have lived here majority of my life. I lived a couple other places, mm. moved around a little bit in my early 20s, and then came back. And I'll tell you, I didn't appreciate Spokane until I came back. Uh -huh. It was sort of like every other, you know, 18-year-old that grows up in Spokane and says, I can't wait to get out of here and right. move somewhere different. And once I did that and I came back again, I just like fell in love with the city again and, and reconnected with old friends. And then I met this guy. Yeah. So. Did you, did you guys meet in, at Eastern at college? Oh, you match.com. 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 Match match yeah. yeah. I quickly realized that, uh, well, you know, you already <laughs> said it. Like, Ellensburg was a fun town to live right. in for multiple reasons. And when I landed in Cheney, I was like, well, it's small. And it's just college. And right. So I quickly realized if I'm either going to try to have to go to Spokane to try to meet somebody or, and there's no time for that. And so I hopped on match.com. So I'll just give this a try. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, 
Yeah. A all fun history fact, after that. Fun fact for you, Ryan was the only person I went on a date with. Oh, wow. When I, I think I was on there for a few weeks or something and just lucked out and found him right away. And that's that awesome. It. That's that. Let's talk about the coaching side of things. Like, what led you both to start coaching and starting IHP? Yeah. So I kind of already alluded to it a little mm-hmm. bit, right? It was the same. Yeah. We became junkies when it came to personal development, mm. personal growth. I mean, and, and without going too much into the story, uh, when I, that was one of my main reasons for leaving coaching. And and, and my book kind of tells the story of, of you know, I was I was very very struggling with depression and anxiety, and so I recognized that I had to leave coaching not only because I wanted something different out of life, but because I had to work on myself. I couldn't find the balance that was mm. needed to be able to overcome what was I was struggling with. So. When I walked away, you know, I wanted to understand what was going on. I wanted to understand neuroplasticity. I want to mm. understand neuroscience. I, you know, I started to dive into epigenetics and cell reproduction, studying oh, wow. Dr. Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton and these different types of authors. And then eventually led me to, uh, you know, so I got into meditation, uh, you mm-hmm. know, with Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, which is, you know, guided stuff. And, and eventually I was led to Unbeatable Mind with Mark Devine. He's a former Navy SEAL commander. And he is a 20-year vet of the Navy SEALs. And he's created SEAL Fit. And now he does uh, basically coaching certifications for civilians mm-hmm. using all the same principles and mindset stuff that he used to train special ops yeah. people, right? Mm-hmm. And so we found that and we decided to both get certified. And, you know, because again, it wasn't so much because we had this envision of being coming coaches, mm-hmm. but it was more because we just enjoyed to get behind the scenes mm. of, of, you know, these principles and the practices and the tools that were helping to transform not only his own life, but, but other people's lives as well. And so, um, to, to get that certification, to get that inside information, you know, was our, was our motivation for our own growth, mm. our own evolution. And, and that eventually led to a place where I recognized like, wow, this is making such an impact in our own personal lives, in our marriage, in our family. And it's like in my business, that mm-hmm. we, like we wanted to start to share it, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, and so there, there's a lot of uh, different things that we went through in the sense of the story and getting to that place where we were ready to, to start to give back. I mean, mm-hmm. I was like this, it became very clear to me. This information is not just for me. Like, mm-hmm. If I don't somehow share this, then, then I'm being selfish in a way because it's such valuable content to understanding how the mind works, how we can train the mind, right? how we can develop a sense of focus and concentration and then develop our ability to, to be what we call the witness where we're able to not attach to thoughts and to mm-hmm. identifications and things like that to where we can have so much sense of, of, a, of more possibility and opportunity in our life than we could ever see before from a different perspective of a life. That's awesome. So where did it, I mean, what was the breakthrough? Where did it start? Like, why did, why did you decide to leave coaching to go into, you were, you wanted to spend more time with your family. It sounds like, but like, was there there a break? Was there a breaking point? Was there a breaking point? Yeah. 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 Do you want to tell yeah, this part? Yeah, Ryan wrote a book Otherwise about I'll... that. It's called Choice Point. That's, okay. <laughs> so we'll talk about we'll talk a little bit about the choice point that that came up for Ryan. And do you mind if I just no, share a little bit? Uh, I'm I'm sick of talking. He's about told it. that story a lot. Uh, so. As Ryan mentioned, he was really battling with depression and anxiety at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, of course, no idea because when you are battling something like that for a long time, you become the master of disguise. Mm. Because if anybody 
finds out, especially for men, what yeah. are they going to think? There's right. such a stigma attached to all of that. Mm. And I think it's getting better, but I think it's still there. So uh, one day Ryan was doing the dishes and I walked into the room and he wasn't standing there at the sink anymore. Mm. He was curled up in a ball. He had kind of crawled over to the, the next room to try to hide because he was having such a severe anxiety attack that he just didn't want anyone to see him. Mm. And I walked in and I said, what's going on? Mm. And uh, he hesitated for a minute, but I sat down, was ready to hear like an explanation of what was up. And he said, I've been battling and this has been something that's been going on most of my life. And uh, that was the conversation that really kind of shed light on it. Mm -hmm. And the, the secret that he had been keeping was like now out in the open. And that was sort of the catalyst for us to start having conversations about, you know, what we really wanted life to look like for our family, but, but ultimately like what he needed to do to get his life back. Mm. Did, did this happen during football, like when you're coaching? Yeah, the, the main thing, you know, I, I can think back all the way to my early teens of mm. dealing with anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. I mean, the suicidal thoughts at 17, 18 years old mm-hmm. through my twenties, barely sleeping, you know, and, and it was just one of those deals where you just continue to repress it. You just right. continue to avoid it. You just continue to, especially when you, you know, you, you reached out for, to help to one or two people and you kind of started to say, yeah, something's not right. I'm, you know, I, I can barely stand to be in my own skin. Your friend looks at you like, oh, you're, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? Mm-hmm. And so you just, you just go right back into your shell. Yeah. You know, and, and I got help through therapy and through doctors and put on medication. And then, mm. you know, so I, I went down all those different paths, but I never really ever made it uh, a, a, you know, a voiced thing to anybody to enough point to where I had to make a change. Right. Mm. And I became, like she said, a master of disguise and my profession allowed for me to be in a place where I could hit play on a recorder because this version of myself who was intense and loud and a defensive line coach and could go to the office and break down film and, and, and recruit football players and do all those kinds of things. I could do those without really even thinking twice about it because that's the only thing I've ever done. It's the only thing I've ever known. And so I wasn't ever suffering in that environment. Mm-hmm. But when we had uh, Colton, I started to look in the mirror. And I started to go, okay, is the version of me that I'm being right now, is this who I want to be for him? And I was like, it was a clear no. Mm -hmm. I was 70 pounds heavier than I am today. I was a drinker. I liked to gamble. I mean, I ran hot still, Mm -hmm. right? Even though, you know, we're married, but I still like to have a good time, you know? And we like to party a little bit back in those days together, but I still ran really hot. And so when I started to remove some of these distractions and I started to get more clear about what I want my life to look like, it became, there's more space. And when there's more space, things come to the surface, right? Right. And you still mm-hmm. have to actually address what you're feeling and what's going on in right. your psyche. Right. And so I wasn't able to distract myself anymore. And, and so when that happened, that's when the depression, the anxiety got worse and worse and worse until the point where I recognized, like, obviously I'm out of alignment here. Mm-hmm. Like this is here to teach me something. I'm out of alignment. I got to try to figure it out. And you know, it was, it was beyond just wanting to uh, be home and be a present father, but I wanted to be healthy. And I wanted to have answers Mm. because I recognize that if my son or daughter has this same type of experience in life at some point along the way, number one, I want to be aware of it. I want to be conscious enough to be aware of it, to be able to support them. Mm -hmm. And I want to have answers for them, practices, ways that we can 
overcome, that we can deal with, that we can let go of, and that we can process emotions and these types of things. I could recognize that I was just as trapped. Mm. And so I went out seeking for that. Right. And I mean, everything. Someone told me, Hey, if you eat bananas, it'll help depression. Guess who went to the store and bought bananas that day? Like, I mean, (laughs) I didn't care. It didn't matter what it was. And, you know, and, and, uh, and it just, everything led me to the next thing to study, to research, to Mm. try. I I just made myself into an experiment like every, and I still do that to this day where if someone said, Hey, grounding works or sun gazing works or this works or that works. And this helps and that helps like meditation, breath work. I'm like, what's that all about? What's yoga about? So I wouldn't got a yoga certification. Right. Right? I mean, yeah, I was, you have a, I was, you have a list of all these things that you do, like you're an unbeatable mind coach, a certified Q process facilitator, oxygen advantage coach, like yeah. yoga. That's it's, yeah. You it looks like you're really just trying to learn and just yeah. do a lot of different things. That sounds, that's awesome. I love studying. I love learning and I love mm. implementing it in my life. I love the integration of going, okay, like I have been trained through unbeatable mind. I understand those principles. I practice them. I integrate them in my life. I now went and got yoga certification and now that's part of my daily practice. Right. Mm. I then learn oxygen advantage, which gives you a whole different perspective of how the breath can lead to performance of the mind and the body. Mm. And it's just, it's absolutely unlocks an incredible amount of potential and ability to help be able to help other people. Like give you a perfect example. And and this is what speaks to me. 80% of people who deal with the, with anxiety or have some sort of anxiety disorder, right? Have a dysfunctional breathing pattern. Mm. And a dysfunctional breathing pattern, which then creates a slow and irregular breath that's higher up in your chest and you're not using your diaphragm to breathe, then feeds into your monkey mind, feeds into your anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. And your anxiety feeds into your dysfunctional breathing pattern. So it creates this feedback loop, yeah. right? And so is I'm not saying that a dysfunctional breathing pattern potentially creates the anxiety, but it definitely feeds into it. Mm. So then I realize, okay, let's look at my own breathing. I was diagnosed with with exercise induced asthma and this and that and the other. And I can easily now, now that I know what dysfunctional breathing looks like and feels like I recognize it all the time. I'm still correcting it to Mm. this day. I'm still correcting it. Right. But now I have the knowledge and the tools to be able to work through that. Mm. Right. And to recognize like, okay, if I practice this type of breath work and these types of breath holds and this type of diaphragmatic breathing and slow my breath down and become aware of my breath to such a level that then my mind slows down. It's like, mm. and I hear it all the time. Oh, my mind just races. Well, it's untrained. Yeah. And every untrained mind races. Yeah. So let's train it. That's awesome. And that's, yeah. and that's where I am now, just recognizing it. And it's, and it's daily becoming more, I'm becoming more aware of the power mm. of when we train our mind, how much more we're capable of achieving. Wow. So you have, you you do, you have all these different techniques and do you, so you, do you take all these techniques and take them into your coaching? Is that what I'm, how? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's, and it's, uh, it's about using them at the right time for depending on where the person's at in life. Mm. And then one of the pieces that we have within our coaching is a membership. Mm. So I have studied, you know, the breath from all kinds of different angles. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and there's a lot of breath work out there, you know, everything from, uh, you know, Dan Brule and, and Wim Hof and and everybody has their approach to breath work and every type of breath practice has a positive effect to it. And it also has a reverse effect to it. So it has some sort of adverse effect to it. So we have to recognize like, what is my need? What am I trying to accomplish with, with my breath? And 
And so we have created a membership program called The Vault, where in The Vault, I'm going to give, we have created like basically lessons inside of there and workshops Mm -hmm. that teach everything we're talking about. Everything from breath work to mental toughness to mindfulness to building confidence and optimism, how to build calm, you know, all these pieces of the puzzle that are within within human potential, mm-hmm. human performance, right. right? And also gives us the practice of being present. Yeah. So I'm not over here when I'm talking to you. I'm right here, right here with you right now, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only place that I am because that's a practice, right? So all those pieces of the puzzle are in the vault and it's a membership program. And then because my... I, I love the idea of everybody having a coach. And we talked about this a few minutes before we started here yeah. at United. But at the same time, I'm more passionate about giving you the tools that allows for you to have your own practice. Right. Your daily, daily practice, like morning, evening rituals, and then a moment by moment practice that helps you be more present, that helps you recognize non-serving thoughts, that helps you rewrite the narrative of your life so you become the storyteller of your life. Mm. So this, so the vault, like, so you have clients or you have people using it. Mm-hmm. Do you do the? Is there, is there like a walkthrough of that? Like when when you bring them into it, like, yeah. So, so it's not just like a you throw all this stuff at them and then right. like they are like, ah, oh, what do I go? Like, there's a bit of a roadmap to it. Okay. Right, and then and then we have monthly coaching calls, mm. and so we they can hop on, ask questions, and you know, and then obviously, if they want further support, then mm. we can we can talk about how to help them, you know, as if they want one-on-one coaching or want to do some sort of a group coaching concept or something like that. Mm. But this is a way for them to be in an affordable platform that allows them to go at their own pace. Right. Mm. And allows for them to kind of figure out where they are, what suits them the most and where can they just start to try things on Mm. to, to a level where it's like, where are you at in life? Mm. And, and what potentially resonates with you the most. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We do have like a, a start here area, mm. uh, which is kind of the, the basic tracks to run on and getting started where the, the people will do a self-assessment, kind of figure out, okay, first I need to know where I am mm-hmm. to know kind of where I'm going from here. And, and so we have some check-in points in the beginning that they kind of start out with some really basic principles. Mm-hmm. And then we give them an overview of all of the, um, what we call basic tools and practices. Okay. So those practices that Ryan was uh, sharing about the breath work, mindfulness, those types of things, uh, all the way down to journaling. You know, mm-hmm. we talk a little bit about nutrition and fasting, things like that. Um, so we do give them a starting point, and then the idea is that they have then the coaching and the support from us. So the last thing we want to do is throw people into a program without support, right. because what happens is they just stop doing the work, right? Yeah. They don't feel like they have any accountability. They don't feel like they have anywhere to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we really have created with the vault is an opportunity for people to get some coaching, but like Ryan said, at a more affordable rate because we've we've had coaches at the same time and you know we want couples and and people in the same household to be able to get in there and be doing the work and have it be something they can afford to do yeah that sounds awesome i mean it sounds very approachable and i mean i know from the coaching that i've done that it's i mean i wouldn't be what i'm here doing today if i didn't have my coaching the last three years it's just it's very much uh a, a part of me that i just i I need and I believe everyone needs it. And I kind of wanted to talk to you about, talk about something you said in the recent Facebook post. You said, 
I believe we all need community, accountability, and mentorship in life. And I, I was like, I, I love that. I, I believe that we all need community. I mean, that's why I'm doing this and mm-hmm. doing Speak Spokane. But I also, why is it so important for people to have mentorships? Because I, I feel like as adults, we, we have mentorships when we're young, but then when we get to become adults, we just forget about ever having any type of mentors. We just go out and do it on our own. And then, and then we get into places where we are like, I'm 36 years old. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I hate my job. Like what the, and then that's when I turned to therapy. And if I didn't have that, I don't know where I'd be, but why do people need mentorship? Yeah. I love that question. So first of all, I personally have made myself a commitment that I will always have my own coach. And right now I have two. And I'm also part of a community where we have like group coaching and, and swim buddies with the unbeatable mind program. Mm. So I have a ton of accountability Mm. and my number one thing, there's a couple things, a couple angles I want to talk about. Number one is if there's a certain type of experience that I want to have in life, Mm -hmm. meaning I want to be a certain type of father, or I want to try to accomplish a certain goal in entrepreneurship, or I want to transition out of a job and into a different career, or I want to chase a promotion, or I want to lose X amount of weight, whatever it is, right? Right. Everybody wants something different in life, Mm -hmm. right? Everybody can look in their environment and say, Ooh, I want what they have. Yeah. Right. Go ask them how they got it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm. Plain plain and simple. I'm going to seek out a mentor that is doing something that I want to be doing. One of my current coaches is Greg Amundsen. He is the most service oriented human being I have ever been a part of or seen. Mm. Like just on it. Right. And so I reached out to him. I go, what's it like to coach with you? Like, I want to, you know, I want to hire you because I watch you on social media, the stuff that you post and what you're doing. And I want to know, like, what is your mental framework? Mm. Right? I want you to teach me what you know, because it's going to be a hell of a lot easier for me to get to where I'm going. If I let somebody else illuminate a path and now they're not telling me where to go and they're not telling me what to experience, but at least give me an opportunity to say, shine the light in that direction. Cool. That's where I'm going to go. And then I'm going to have my own experience of it. Mm. Right. And rather than kind of just trying to always sift through the dark going, well, I don't know how to get there. Okay. Well ask. Mm. And, and that's just something that's more young and we ask our sports coaches or otherwise. And so that's the first piece is, is this idea that I'm going to reach up to someone who's been where I'm going. Mm. That's overcome something that's I want to overcome or has achieved a certain type of uh, outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other piece is recognizing it's very simple as human beings, We are wired for comfort and we are either growing and getting stronger and better. And we're able, and we're looking at uh, ourselves from that uh, self-studying perspective of a microscope saying, where can I improve? Or we're getting worse Mm -hmm. and there is no in between. Right. And, and if we stay comfortable, then eventually we're going to get to a place in life. And usually at 35 years old, there's actually science behind that. Like that is when we stop experiencing new things. That's when we pretty much are locked in from a neurological perspective. Mm. We've experienced about 98, 99% of everything we're going to experience in life unless we seek new challenges and new experiences like we've done it all. So now we're sitting there going, huh, what now? Right. Right. And so that's, there's actually neuroscience behind that. If you, if you look into Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, he talks about that. Mm. So this idea that like basically our minds are, designed to conserve energy. 
They're designed to keep you comfortable and safe. And I can't always see how my mind is tricking me because it is cunning. Our egos are cunning. So I can't always see how I am justifying why I shouldn't go do X, Y, or Z. But my coach is going, it's clear as day to him that you're Mm -hmm. limiting yourself. Right. Have you Mm -hmm. thought of it this way? How about we switch your verbiage around? You're setting that goal, but you have a negative connotation to it, right? You, mm-hmm. you haven't set an actual date to when you're going to do something. Mm-hmm. Why are you avoiding it? Right. So not so much as that piece of, uh, of, of always having to be challenged, but just to be able to have somebody who's got a, a different perspective mm. and they can see what I cannot. Yeah. Can we touch on something else uh, too, yeah. Ryan? You know, at one point I heard you mention about when we talk about the comfort zone and how the comfort zone is a term that we all know and we hear growth happens outside your comfort zone, but the patterning of thoughts and behaviors that we're doing aren't necessarily always comfortable. So for example, when Ryan was dealing with depression and anxiety, right? That's not comfortable, but it's known. Mm. And so kind of to Ryan's point, you know, it's like we get, we get into the, these known patterns and then it takes something else to help us to break out of that, but it's not always necessarily comfortable or, or even, you know, yeah, I love, love that you bring that up. I, yeah. I hate the word comfort zone mm. because what I was experiencing was not comfortable. Right. It was not comfortable right. at all, mm. but I had to venture into the unknown because mm. in the unknown is where we get to make shit up. Yeah. Right, that's where we get to recreate ourselves because that's where we get to actually set up different neurological hardware of having then leading us to a different experience of life. Mm. Right. And if we stay in our known existence, which is people would call it the comfort zone, chances are what's easy now is going to lead to suffering later. Mm. Right. So yeah. if I do what's easy now, like for example, my wife cooks chocolate chip cookies. I want a chocolate chip cookie. Mm-hmm. It smells good. I know it's going to taste good. So it's easy to go ahead and just eat that now. Mm-hmm. Well, am I going to be happy when I have one, then six, yeah. then eight? Because I don't have a lot of self-control. Right. So therefore, then the next day, I feel like, you know, I don't feel good. And yeah. then my workout suffers, and then this happens, and it leads to this spiral effect, right? Yeah. So whatever is comfortable now, yeah. challenge most likely leads to some sense of suffering later. Yeah. Whether it be physical, mental, emotional. Yeah. Right. But if we tackle something that's hard and challenging now, we we seek a challenge, we go into the unknown and we we face lean into that resistance, into that fear, then chances are the reward is gonna be much greater later. Yeah. And it's gonna lead to a sense of peace and and joy and abundance. What's a uh, this is a question I've asked my coach and I've asked my therapist and I've asked multiple people that doing what you wanna do because it's you want to please yourself right now. Mm. How do you beat that in the moment? Mm. Because it's the witching hour at 10 o'clock at night when you should be going to bed and, or for me at least it's, and I shouldn't be, you know, having people always do what pleases them in the moment. And then they hate themselves the next day. They regret. Yeah. What's, do you got a, do you have a nugget, a tool that you would, I, to I, teach people. I do. Do you, do you want to try yeah. to answer that? Uh, no, I was just going to piggyback on, on what you were just asking. And, and also to say that it may not even be like an indulgence. It mm. may be an avoidance. Mm. So let's say you have to have a difficult conversation with someone. Mm. 
it's easier just not to do that right now. Yeah. So it's not even always the action that's the more comfortable or known thing. It's sometimes it's the inaction of maybe not doing that workout. That's always an easy example, right. but it could be not having that difficult conversation. What if I don't have that conversation now, what's that the end outcome of that, mm. you know, uh, three weeks later when the situation's going on and I, and I didn't address it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it was uncomfortable. All right. So Here's a couple of different approaches we're going to talk about. Number one is this relationship between the conscious and the subconscious mind, mm. right? And they will say, uh, the people who like to speak nicely about the subconscious mind, our relationship would say we're 95% unconscious and mm. 5% conscious, meaning that 95% of everything we think, we feel, we do, behaviors, how we experience life is just on automatic, right? And, and if you start looking for the behaviors and, and your thought loops. I mean, you're having 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day and 80 or over 80% of them are the same thoughts as yesterday. And you don't have to think about it when you brush your teeth, when you take a shower, when you drive to work, when you start your car, when you, to, you know, all these pieces, all these little things that we do all day long, you don't have to consciously think about it. Your subconscious mind is running the show. Mm. So number one is to understand like the majority of what we do on a daily basis is just conditioning. Mm. We've been conditioned to do that. Because it's Friday night, mm. I should have a drink. Right. Because it's Friday. Mm-hmm. Do you even want one? I don't know. You just do it because it's Friday. Right. Right. Or because now that it's 8.30 and the kids are in bed, I want to go have a snack mm-hmm. or go watch a show on Netflix. Because why? Do I really want to? I don't know. I just do it because I'm subconsciously programmed and conditioned to do so. Mm. So number one is to recognize that this relationship that's happening all the time between our conscious and our subconscious mind. So then how do we wake up? How do we become conscious, right? And it's really simple. It's simple because if I'm aware of my breath, I'm conscious. Mm. If I'm consciously breathing or I'm aware of my breath, then I'm in the present moment. If I am not, I'm unconscious, I'm sleeping. It's that simple. So when I'm making those decisions, if I take a moment to take a breath and then to lead to the mental framework, so it comes with awareness, Mm. awareness of what's actually happening, what it means to be human, that we're basically computer programs. Right. So I have to then program or condition myself to be the person I want to be, to have the habits I want to have the bedtime routine, Mm. the not snacking at night. Right. If I can just get my body and my mind to be on the same page and condition my subconscious mind to be the type of person that just goes to bed when it's time to go to bed and doesn't watch Netflix and then grab a bag of chips or whatever else happens. Right. Then we go, well, why did I do that? I'm I'm on this, I'm on this. It's not you. You're not the one doing it. It's a program. And you're letting it run. So this is what choice point is all about. Yeah. We recognize when we are about to run a subconscious program mm. and we have a choice to wake up to it and to reprogram ourselves to a different experience. And then eventually this threshold happens where we then program our subconscious mind to work towards it for mm. us. Right. So therefore when it's bedtime, I'm like, no, I really generally want to go upstairs and do my little breathing exercise or roll around on the ground and do some stretching or say goodnight to the kids, read a book, whatever it is, like, because that's what I've conditioned my experience to be. And if mm. someday down the road, I want to have a different experience in my bedtime routine, I want to go watch Netflix, I'll program that in too. Mm. Because I yeah. can condition myself to have whatever experience I want to have. So awareness, knowledge, right? And then practice. Mm. So practicing in that moment with our breath and then being clear, like legitimately being clear of what 
type of life do I want to experience? And if I want to have this life of service and this life of abundance and this life of peace and joy and excitement, right? Mm -hmm. Then what is the type of habits? What are the type of thoughts? What are the type of behaviors do I need to set up? And, and legitimately getting so clear, I, that I'm a little bit extreme, I get that, but <laughs> getting so clear that I actually write all that down, not just my why or my mm. vision for myself, I write down the intentions of who I'm becoming, how I'm showing up for the world, how I relate to my wife, how I show up for my kids. And so then therefore I actually record a script and I listen to that script at certain times during the day. We can dive into that if you want to hear more about that. But <laughs> Therefore, when those moments pop up and I recognize the subconscious program to be triggered because the kids are being noisy and the dog was barking and the dishes weren't done and all these things were happening in my circumstances that makes me feel like, ah, right? Mm -hmm. I recognize it. And then I have a choice and I'm not perfect by any means. Sometimes I run the program, but I sought run, right? Mm -hmm. And then I have an opportunity to get in control of my breath, take a few breaths, a conscious breath, slow my nervous system down get myself back into a parasympathetic nervous system where I can make a decision and I can be creative and collaborative with my environment. And then from that place, I rewrite the program. Mm, I yeah. actually take the authentic action to be present, to be patient, to do those types of things. We have a rule in our house. It's pause, breathe, respond. Oh my goodness. And it works really well with children and adults. Right? No, I, I'm going to, I, yes. Yeah. So we <laughs> oftentimes just react, right? And mm -hmm. I know so many parents out there can relate. You know, you run a program of maybe you yell at your kids, mm. right? They, they do something and you're like, come on, yeah. you know, clean that up or whatever, right? You, that's a program. Yeah. But when, as Ryan said, when we become aware of it, we pause, we mm. breathe, then we choose the response because we are, we have our neocortex online. We can actually, you know, use the part of our brain that makes us human, that helps us to make rational decisions, to yeah. be creative, to collaborate. Yeah. Then we can show up in a completely different way. And, and really it's like whatever we practice, we get better at. Mm -hmm. So if we're practicing pausing, breathing, and responding, we're yeah. going to get better at that being the go-to reaction, that being the neurological pathway that's stronger mm. than the previous reaction that we had. Yeah. I love it when she talks like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, I mean, when you are trying to reprogram yourself, like what, how long do you think that usually takes? Like mm. implementation to like it becoming part of your un unconscious yeah. mind. Well, like, is that, is that, I mean, is that something that you want to have happen? Like you, I mean, I don't want to yell at my kids. I want to, I want right. to do that. I want to be more mindful and more, I want to breathe. Like it's something I teach myself and I try mm -hmm. to teach my children, but we always revert back to our old habits. And yep. I, we revert back to the, the version of us that we're training to be. Mm. So we, we fall to our level of training. So it depends on how much time, mm -hmm. how consistent you are, yeah, right, and how much, like you just truly like earnestness is the word that comes to my mind. Is you commit to that path mm -hmm. of living an intentional life? Yeah. Right? So that's a, a question I cannot answer. Yeah. Other than I know that a lot of the things that show up in my world, I would say it takes three, six, nine months. Mm-hmm. For me, for to really recognize, like, oh, wait a minute, yeah, I'm fully doing this now. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, even all the way down, this sounds so small, but all the way down to preparing the coffee the night before. So in the morning, all I got to do is hit on. Mm -hmm. I recognize in the morning, it was kind of disturbing my morning routine to have to make the coffee. It's one thing I don't really want to do it. Right. Right. So I legitimately went like, you know, 21 days. There's some science behind that Mm. that can create some habits. Right. Yeah. But, um, there's also, there's a whole another side of this conversation when it comes to our subconscious mind too. And this is one of the certifications that you see on there is, is the called the Q process. Mm -hmm. And, um, or the Q effect, and we're both facilitators and, and, and certified in that piece too, is, is basically taking a look at parts of ourselves that are unconscious, these, these myths, these messages and beliefs that we have taken on about ourselves, and a lot of them come from early childhood development. Mm. And we then go to work to reaffirm these beliefs about ourselves, right. that we are uh, not good enough, that we're not smart enough, that we're not lovable, Mm. right that we are not safe or secure and so then we unconsciously the safe and secure was a huge one we then unconsciously go out and seek things in life to make us feel like we're safe or to feel like we're lovable or to make us feel like we're smart enough or good enough right Mm -hmm. and so then because we're just basically trying to validate from the outside world to meet our needs Mm -hmm. so we then learn what's really going on with this Q process, so we learn how to be able to meet our own needs. And you start to be able to meet your own needs and you understand all of this piece that's actually happening in our psyche. Like an amazing amount of empathy shows up for yourself mm-hmm. and compassion shows up for yourself first and foremost and then for others because you recognize like when you're triggered and you're snipping at your kids, I know that's not the truth of you. Right. I know that you're in fight or flight and you're reverting back to some sort of belief about yourself that you probably adopted when you were four years old. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm like, oh, I want to just give her that, that four-year-old a hug, <laughs> right? And yeah, uh, I think a lot of times, like uh, I know for myself, when I experience getting triggered, like you know, by my kids, for mm-hmm. example, right? If I feel like, oh, they're not respecting me, right? Right. Well, that touches something within me that says I'm not good enough to be respected, right? Mm. That's a limiting belief. And that's something that I could have taken on, you know, in childhood early on. Right. And it, it doesn't bother us unless there's some, something within us that believes that that's true Mm -hmm. in some way, but it's all happening so far under the surface that all we see is like that, that's, you know, I'm triggered. Mm. I'm triggered. They shouldn't do that. They shouldn't do that. So when we can start to dig a few layers deeper, um, and, and that's the type of work, you know, typically some people would do with a therapist, but in, in this Q process, this is something that we call it a therapy. So Mm. it's, you're doing that work within yourself. And then we facilitate that process for you just to be able to, um, you know, take a look back and explore like, okay, here's the situations where I'm feeling triggered. Mm. What is it that could be underneath that? That's what is it that's really bothering me here? Because it's probably not that something spilled on the floor that's bothering me. Mm -hmm. It's that, you know, they walked away from it. Now I feel disrespected. Right. Well, that means that I'm not good enough to be respected. Right. So there's this whole like unconscious thought patterning that happens under the surface that's leading to something uh, deeper. Mm. And so when we can do that work, then like Ryan said, we can realize that there's ways that we can meet our own needs. Well, how can I show myself that I'm appreciated? Yeah. 
how can I show myself that uh, I'm, you know, someone to be respected? And when I practice pausing and, and breathing and, and then responding in that way, I'm showing up as a person who's worthy of respect because I'm a thoughtful, mindful person mm. and a person who's showing up um, in a way that, that I want to as a parent. Wow. So there's a lot of stuff underneath that when you kind of dig a few layers deeper as well. But uh, yeah. I love that. That's awesome. We've talked about this, um, I'm sure, a lot already. Uh, Ryan's book, Choice Point. So when did the idea for this book start? I'm guessing it started at the very beginning. I'm going to deflect. Deflect. Go ahead. When when you came back from uh, Bliss Babes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I went to an event in uh, Newport Beach back in, I think it was early 2018. Mm. And I heard uh, Lewis Howes speaking there. I don't know if you're familiar Mm -hmm. with him. He's a... Uh, pretty popular author and uh, has a podcast. He wrote the book, The Mask of Masculinity. Mm. And I heard him speak there and and it was like one of those sessions where you have speakers and then you get a break afterwards. And I remember running out to the hallway during the break and calling Ryan and saying, babe, people need to hear your story. Mm -hmm. Like this guy is changing the lives of so many men by showing like he's, he, uh, dealt with some childhood sexual abuse Mm. and has been open about that. Right. And that's something again, that there's like a stigma with that. There's this, this shame associated with it for men Mm -hmm. and similar to people dealing with depression, anxiety, specifically men, you know, you don't want to show weakness, right? Yeah. uh, You know? Uh, perceived weakness Mm -hmm. and so I said you you know you've got to share your story and that's kind of where it started was opening that door to see someone else doing it and like all right yeah so she came home and challenged me like you need to share it right Mm -hmm. and then so I was like man write a book that's kind of crazy so that's kind of the first place my mind went to was write a book and and so this is part of the what we call the Q process right this is part of me rewriting the narrative about my beliefs about myself I had an underlining belief that I lived with my entire life that I was not smart enough or I was stupid, mm. right? And so I, you can go back and you can look at my life and multiple different times throughout my life that I avoided certain things or I didn't push myself because of that belief was running. Mm. And so it took a while for me to conceive the idea and then for me to actually build the belief that this was possible. And part of this process was to be able to tell a story that was relatable Mm-hmm. Be able to take a lot of the things that I've learned and just to simplify them down. To write a book that was something that my 35-year-old self would pick up because that version of myself had never read a book cover to cover, mm. right? And so it has to be small enough, right? Short enough, mm-hmm. simple enough, and relatable enough that I would potentially pick it up at 35 years old. Yeah. And, and then there was an element for me, too, uh, of, 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 uh, of healing, to be able to put it out to be able to talk about it fully with uh, just complete transparency and then to to go down that authentic action path of writing a book would then really pretty much debunk this idea that I'm not smart enough to do it, mm-hmm. right? So if I actually follow through the all the actionable steps and get it out to the world, like that narrative has died, mm. right? And I've rewritten it and, and now it's, you know, part of the, that's part of the, uh, you know, the process is is a healing process too so um it motivated me too when i really stopped and and was able to objectify my experience growing up and through my 20s and into my mid-30s it made me realize when i started looking around like how apparent it is that people are suffering like there's a lot of depression there's a Mm -hmm. lot of anxiety and now more than ever yeah right Mm -hmm. and and uh 
and and just and you start to look at the numbers of suicide numbers. I mean, it's it's gross, right? Yeah. I mean, it's scary. And so I'm like, all right, if I have what I think is potentially, you know, not necessarily an answer, but something that could help, right, in one way, sh- shape, or form, even just to shift one person's perspective or give one person an, a a the, again shine that light to say, maybe I'm gonna go walk down the path and just I'm just gonna check this out. Mm. What's this whole breathwork thing all about anyway? Like, yeah. what, what is he actually teaching here? How did that help him, right? Why why is he so passionate about that, right? And so, yeah, just that idea of saying, I have this information and I have these tools and these practices that I believe have, have uh, you know, have completely given me a different experience of life and now make me feel like anything is possible. And so if I could go back and teach this to that 17-year-old boy who was having those thoughts of suicide, mm-hmm. like, man, what kind of impact would that have made on his life? Right. And so who am I to not potentially put myself out there to a level that somebody could hear this or a teenage uh, young man could hear it and or I could get in front of a group that needs to hear it and, and be able to uh, help people learn how to, this concept. Like if we don't train our minds, like we're leaving life to chance. You said something in there where you talking about depression and being open about it and writing a book about it. Like I, I'm such a believer that people should be able to talk about it. Like mental health is just such an important part of your life. And having and being able the first step of that is being able to actually talk about it and put it out there, because if you live behind it, you're just going to keep on. It's just going to like you said, it's cyclical. And uh, yeah. I just think it's so important for you to just even just talk about it and talk and get and tell people your experiences. Like I, I, I talk about it. I'm open about it. And I've had a lot of friends say, like, I wouldn't talk to someone. There's nothing better. That yeah. I mean, because they went and talked to us because because you talked. Yeah, because I talked because I yeah. think it's yeah. that's what I that's what I mean. Like, I think yeah. that's important. Yeah. And that I, is that what the book's a lot about? Or is that like just the, is that or is that just your way of kind of communicating? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's the first half of it is, is the story and, mm. and this experience. What I, I didn't want to try to color somebody else's experience of, mm. of them overcoming themselves or becoming a different version of themselves. Yeah. What I want to do is just give just enough of story of context to someone say, okay, I could potentially relate to that. Yeah. Like, I've experienced something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know what guilt feels like to yeah. the umpteenth degree. Like, my experience was guilt. I woke up mm. feeling guilty. I couldn't even tell you why. Every conversation, I mean, you know, years or five years ago, I would have been sitting here having this conversation with you. I would have walked away and I would have felt guilty. I had no idea why. Yeah. Right. And a lot of that was around drinking and different habits and mm. just being out of integrity and whatever else. Right. Yeah. But everything is there to teach us something, man. Mm-hmm. Every single experience. And so I try to illuminate just these principles that I adopted that it gave myself an opportunity to let go, to change my story, to to be able to do the inner work that was necessary to, to overcome. Right. Mm-hmm. So these principles are, are just basic things that like saying, Hey, if you take a look at these and you try to start to adopt them and work them into your life, like they're going to shift. Yeah. They're going to shift your perspective. Mm-hmm. They're going to make it. So you stop looking outward for approval and you start looking inward, mm. right? So you're a focus on yourself first and you're going to build the awareness and you're going to embrace the fact that life is always changing. You're not going to start to, you're going to let go of grasping to any sort of identification of the past. Mm-hmm. And you're going to start to look towards the future and look towards opportunity and becoming more optimistic in life because you're just changing, taking on these principles. Mm. And you're going to start to recognize one of the most important pieces for me is men and their feelings, right? They, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, 
I suppressed, repressed, and avoided talking about my feelings to anybody. Mm. And in my personal opinion, and uh, the f- feelings are our superpower. Mm. Like it's our feelings that helps us create the different version of ourselves that draw in like a magnet, man, that draw in future opportunities and relationships and mm-hmm. abundance and joy. Like it's being able to be with the uncomfortable feelings yeah. and allow yourself allowance to feel the good ones. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and for this sure. balance between both. Yeah. Right? I, I, I'll say I'm not, I've always been very open about my feelings and I've always talked about my feelings to people, my wife, my friends. But my problem was that I didn't go talk to anybody about my feelings. I just sat in my feelings and didn't do anything about it. And, and so when I finally went and saw a therapist, I told, finally started expressing my feelings and how, how I get into these cycles of depression and anxiety and why do I always quit my job after three years and why do I do these types of things? And, and I would just be living in these feelings. And, and so when I finally started talking to someone is when I finally started learning a lot more about myself sure, and how to actually control my feelings and use them to my advantage. We've talked about so much (laughs) and I could probably talk to you for three more hours. Um, What's next? We have to pick up the kids at three 30. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Uh, What, what's next for IHB? What I mean, how, first of all, how, how has it been through COVID? Yeah. And then what is next? What is on the horizon? Well, so, COVID was an interesting time when it hit because, so we have a residential painting company as well that mm. kind of pays our, our day in, day out bills, mm-hmm. right? And so when that hit, it was deemed non-essential. So mm. it's parked in the driveway, right? All these initial fears of, uh, oh my gosh, if, are we going to lose our employees and are we going to have a business after this, right? And then Heidi was an event planner, mm. right? Not a lot of events happening right. if you're looking around during COVID, right? So. She ended up, her job got reduced all the way down to a point where it really made no more sense for her to be a part of that uh, profession mm. anymore. And so we we're kind of sitting there going like, oh my goodness, what now? Right. And so that's when I doubled down and I wrote the book. Mm. And like I pretty much, the manuscript, the main parts of it, the my job part of it was about 30 days straight. I mean, I just hammered it out and got that out to the world because this idea of IHP coaching has been something I have been writing and working towards and kind of collecting the content and the practices and making myself the experiment for years. Mm. So when, you know, it's about the same time that we started talking about me writing a book and and starting to say, okay, this is something I'm going to do in the future. That's when I started to recognize, okay, I'm a coach. Mm. Like I love teaching. I'm not, I don't love, I don't love like the idea of being a life coach. Right. But I am a coach. Right. And I love teaching. And so we have evolved to the point now where as we came out of COVID, we're recognizing, Hey man, obviously our painting company is susceptible to being shut down. Like that's not a good feeling. Right. You know, and her profession, went, her job went away. So we have to create something that we could potentially do mm. if this continues. Right. Wow. So we started that accelerated the process. Basically mm. what would have taken me probably another year to write the book and, and to put IHP together to where we're ready to present it to the world. Uh, you know, it took a few months. Wow. Right? So now it's launched, it's out there and, you know, started doing workshops. I, I started in, uh, you know, last year or so, I started teaching the breath and, and just basic mm. basic mechanics and just basic practices and to more like to yoga communities and things of that nature. Mm. And then uh, now it's evolved to where I want to work with, uh, with, 
you know, that 12 to 18 year old, uh, athlete mm. that I can feel like I can really relate to. And we've done some work with first responders. We did a, um, a workshop a couple of weeks ago with, uh, a, some Spokane first responders. Mm. Uh, and that went fantastic. A four and to end up turned to a six hour workshop because they wanted me to keep going. They were just loving it. And, and this was around basically mental resiliency and awareness and mental toughness and mm. building confidence and building calm in the sense of, uh, of rugged or high stake situations and optimism and being able to train our minds to be more confident, more calm and optimistic. And, mm -hmm. and so, uh, you know, that is another, um, is another workshop that we want to offer. We want to offer them to, uh, to organizations, to communities, to, you know, mm. and just put them out there to the world in the sense for entrepreneurs, whoever's, whoever has, is, has, uh, you know, that open ear, you know yeah. what I mean? And so that, that's kind of the overarching concept of IHP of where it's going, uh, really a workshop based program. And then as we've, as I've written these workshops and as I started to present them, I'm like, well, let's put them into this membership model. Mm. So that's really how the membership came to be was like, I want people to have access to this information. I want people to be able to develop their own practice. Right. Right. And so we take those workshops that we've written and all these practices and the progressions with them and morning and evening routines and how to build those and ideas and concepts behind it and why we do it and intention mm. setting and goal setting. I mean, there's a ton of content, but people are able to hop in there and be at a price where they're able to take it on one at a time. Cause you know, like, you know, if you go hire a coach for X amount of dollars a month, like yeah. you have to be ready yeah for that type of commitment financially mm -hmm. mentally emotionally and all the above yeah right? and we do both offer one-on-one -on -one coaching uh i've been doing one-on-one -on -one coaching uh for the last what two years yeah. uh so we do offer that. And then the unique thing about that too, is that our one-on-one -on -one clients get access to the vault. Mm. So they get all that training available to them and then they're getting that support. So I like to say, you know, you can think of the vault kind of like your gym membership. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you have everything you need in there to transform. Yeah. Okay. On your own, mm. but you're going to work a lot harder with your trainer in that hour yeah. than you would on your own. Absolutely. So that's really the path for someone who's really like Ryan said, they're ready um, they want to have that accelerated growth and they would work with one of us individually right. along with that. That's awesome. So basically what I'm hearing is that IHP came from COVID. I mean, that you started it during it. Is this yeah. what I'm hearing? That's yeah. awesome. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like we're in a, we're in a world right now where I think people are finally <laughs> learning about their, their depression, their anxieties really coming to the surface. And I think a lot of people are looking for that help. Yeah. And, and, here, and here's a piece that I've connected the dot, like the same practices, the same tools, the same ideas and concepts is what got me out of a place of suffering mm -hmm. and has also led me to become what I would consider to be able to be leading myself down a path of being more of a high achiever, right? Mm. Of being able to be just more productive, yeah. being more present. Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever version of yourself you want to create, yeah. right? So it's all the same. So whether you're somebody who you know, wants to figure out how to make your team more productive, mm -hmm. be more clear about what their personal philosophy is in life and to be able to create that personal philosophy so they have that filtration system to force their thoughts, their words, their actions through, right? Life becomes real clear when you decide who you are mm. and who you're becoming. Like it just becomes easy. Yeah. It becomes easy to make that decision when your alarm gets off, goes off in the morning and you, and you have your, you become aware of your first thought and you recognize like, okay, wait a minute, who've I've come here to be mm. right. The version of myself comes, does not hit snooze. 
he gets up, he puts his feet on the ground, and he goes to work yeah. on himself for X amount of time in the mornings. And, you know, we could go all go down a huge rabbit hole <laughs> morning routines Don't and everything get him else. Started. Don't yeah. get me started. No, we'll talk, that's another podcast. But Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, it's just, you know, the being able to, uh, to understand, like, you know, I want to make sure people know. Like, yes, I've had, and I've had, the, the reason why the vault came into play was because I was having multiple conversations, the same conversation with, one person after another about the breath, about mechanics and about diaphragmatic breathing and about the nervous system and about how to, how to develop control of your mind and how to, you know, be able to develop attention control, which is, that's the real pandemic by the way in the world mm. is our ability to focus. Yeah. Right. And there's just so much instant gratification and social media and scrolling and whatever else, like as human beings, we need to learn how to concentrate and focus our mind more than anything. Yeah. And so I start having these conversations one at a time. And I recognize like, man, this is exhausting. Like I don't, I love teaching this stuff, but I'd way rather keep it to, to a group, to a, to a room full of people or put it in a place where someone can go then and then come to me with questions to deepen their practice or to set up their practice Yeah. to be able to develop these skills of, of, of arousal control and attention control and witnessing our thoughts and being able to not attach and, mm insight meditations and visualization mm -hmm. you know so yeah. all those types of pieces I, i'm gonna ask this question because i think it'd be helpful for for our listeners what what type of clients are you who who is your clientele yeah i mean i, I think first and foremost i i mean we like I, those a couple of groups that i talked about mm -hmm. i mean I, I would love to make an impact in that teenage when people are trying to figure out mm. their place in the world and who they are right, right? so we have a, a workshop that's that's uh, called the competitive edge that we're offering mm. and that's going to be for young athletes right and then um our next group of people you know with the with a sense of um you know entrepreneurs so somebody who is doing something that's going to ask the world is going to ask more of them mm. Right. And they can recognize and see the value in taking a look in the mirror and trying to become a better version of themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And so beyond that, you know, we're looking to make an impact, um, you know, really in what I believe is the number one role as a father and as a husband mm -hmm. is to create an environment of growth. Like that's my job in my personal opinion. So where does that start? That starts with me. It starts with me creating an environment of growth within my own psyche, within my own experience, like the ability to look inward. Mm -hmm. That spreads then to my marriage and to my family, so the four walls of our own home. And then mm -hmm. that, at that point, when we can create an environment of growth within our four walls, then we can start to be able to serve the world in a greater capacity in our community, right? Mm -hmm. And so parents, you know, parents to be able to make a lasting impact on their children's lives. If you learn these same practices and tools and then you're able to teach them and pass them on to your kids, I mean, I, I personally, there's some of the stuff that we have learned and we teach. It's like, man, why isn't this taught in the first grade? <laughs> you know, how amazing would it be if this was just basic content that was taught right. in schools? You know, it's mm. way more important to understand the nature of the mind and how to train it than it is social studies. Let's right. just be I mean, the, the mm. other piece of school is important too. I get it. But like. Each person been given the tools to have their own individual experience and understand it and mm -hmm. to be able to create a different version of themselves, to be yeah. able to, to understand how to train their mind. Like that is an impact that's, mm -hmm. that creates a ripple effect. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, those, those types of groups, entrepreneurs, parents, 
and then we, and I guess we've done some work with the first responders, but mm. you know, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. You know, so awesome. I, I'm going to just pivot and switch to a different question. I that I'm trying to ask everyone that comes in here. Uh, and it's going to be kind of a weird transition because it's, we haven't been talking about Spokane at all. Uh, but one of the things that I really want to hear from people is how would you like to see our city changed? The first thing that comes to my mind is, is seeing how much Spokane I've been here for 10 years now or 12 years, 12 years and uh, seeing how much it's growing. Mm-hmm. Right. Which then is exciting in some uh, aspects and it's also concerning, mm. right? Because there's a level of, of uh, just this perfect size. What I felt like Spokane was when I first got here of small town, big town, mm. big city. Right. And so number one would be to, to keep in mind as these bigger corporations come into town, like Amazon and different things like that, that we need to be taking care of the small business owners mm-hmm. and each other that way to, to keep that sense of community within Spokane. And there's also a level of when you're in a smaller community of, of just a sense of mindfulness within how the community treats themselves and each other. And I recognize it with COVID especially, like some people just seem way grumpier to each other mm-hmm. because they have a mask on and they've just created this social distancing, which then creates just, just a barrier. Like, Not just physical distancing, but social distancing. Yeah, right. right. The mental and emotional yeah. distancing of, of, you know, trying to like, Hey, how you doing? As you're yeah. walking by somebody in a grocery store and it's like, why is that person talking to me? Right. Are they, are they going to walk over and talk to me? Are they going to break the six foot barrier? Right. So, you know, I, I would say just being mindful of small business owners, uh, of trying to keep that, that, uh, what's left of a, some sense of an innocence of a smaller community mm-hmm. of what Spokane, you know, as a foundation. And then, and then to, uh, try to bring as much awareness and mindfulness to the city as we possibly can, you know, uh, for people to be able to, uh, to, to just really truly to wake up to, uh, what it means to be human and what their potential is, what they're capable of. Because I think that's, again, it's just this amazing when you stop to really look at it, what's possible when it comes to the ripple effect, like mm-hmm. the butterfly effect, right. Of just, you know, one person impacts three and those three people impact nine and those nine people. I mean, and it's just like, wow, what, what is truly possible if we all do our part to make an impact. Yeah. You know, that's amazing. I, I, I love it. And I, I, this conversation has been, has been intense and it's been very eye opening. And I, I just love your, I love your intensity and your passion for it. And I think what you guys have created is awesome. I want to, uh, I definitely want to learn more about this vault thing and check it out. I, I, I need to learn better breathing exercises and re- morning. When you say morning, when you, when you mentioned morning routine, mm-hmm. I was just like, I, that's my, that's my biggest hurdle right now is trying to create a morning routine. And so that might be my favorite topic. <laughs> so be well, careful when you ask me that question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, can you guys shout out where we can find you at and, all those socials and things like that. Yeah, of course. You can find us on Instagram at IHP Coaching, IHP Coaching on Facebook, and our website is ihpcoaching.com. Mm. So keeping it simple there. And uh, you can find your book on Amazon. Yep. Awesome. Yep. And uh, well, thank you guys. Thank you, Ryan and Heidi, so much for coming on Speaks Spokane. I 
I hope uh, I, I really I hope people reach out to you, and uh, I hope I hope IHP is just just grows and gets even bigger. So, thank you guys. Thank, thank you so much. Appreciate. We love what yeah. you're doing here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Speak Spokane. You can find us on Instagram at Speak Spokane and on our website at speakpodcasting.com. Speak Spokane's theme song, Speak and Be Heard, was composed and produced by Spokane native Christian Woods.